a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 3, Moon and Nights 3, Remooned. Tell me, were there weenie raps? Microwavable. But Weenie Raps, learn the list. Weenie Raps intrigue me. Remoon first premiering August 15th, 2004. And this is our first proper Moon Knights episode in a long time. It's been over two years because Revenge of the Moon Knights, which was their last proper full, like, dedicated episode, that premiered back in May of 2002. So, again, it's over two years. And I'm really excited to dive in here and see what Matt and Dave are going to be doing with the Moon and Knights in 2004 and compare it to what they were doing previously. Now, of course, we've seen the Moon and Knights since then. They were in a few episodes in Season 2, although they had no dedicated episodes, just little cameo parts. Or, or in the last one, they kind of ran the show, but it wasn't fully just about them. And of course, we have seen them this season in the Space Cataz episodes, but I'll get into more later as to why they didn't include these characters more back in season two when you would have expected that they would. But yeah, uh, Remoon, it's a really, really fun episode. Excited to dive into it. I did see this one back in the day, and I'm excited to talk about Meatwad with a little mustache. Before we can talk about Meatwad's mustache, you know we got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week, and baby, we've got some news. First of all, I'm sure you've seen it, but if you haven't, then you will be happy to know that it was officially announced now that they are making five more episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And where these will be showing, how long they will be, we don't know yet. All it was announced was that they were ordered, they were in the works. Now, if you listen to this podcast and you already knew this because Matt Malero told us back in December that they were working on five new Aqua Teens. So, not a huge surprise. We've kind of talked about that here, but it's nice that it's official now. And of course, you may have seen this. Uh, I've seen it, certainly. People, because there was that uh, Justin Roiland information, Adult Swim, and everyone else are rightfully so cutting ties with him because uh, apparently he's a piece of shit. Um, that happened. That was announced. And then they announced these Aqua Teen episodes not long after. And then, of course, you have people, oh, they're only doing this because of the because of the Rick and Morty thing. They're just doing this to avoid blowback, as if, you know, this hasn't already been in the works. So, hey, don't insult Aqua Teen like that. This was already in the making before they cut ties with Justin Roiland. And uh, I'm super excited about it. Just like that, the longevity of this podcast has been extended. The lifespan, a little bit longer. We got five more episodes to discuss. And of course, those new episodes, I don't know how we'll talk about them when they come out. Uh, I guess I'll pull the, the Moon Masters over on Patreon, see what they want to do. If they want to jump to the new episodes first or, or just save those for the end, we'll figure it out. And of course, that's a long way away. There is no release date for these yet. So of course, stay tuned in and I will let you know as I know anything going forward. But that's not our only thing to talk about this week. Of course, we also have, um, it was announced alongside these episodes, that Plantasm is now coming to HBO Max and it will premiere on Adult Swim. So you can expect to see that over on HBO Max on February 8th, and then it'll be on Adult Swim on March 12th. 
So if you haven't seen Plantasm yet, I find it hard to believe you listen to this podcast, but you haven't seen Plantasm yet. But if you have not, you will be able to soon. But if you want to see it right now, you can rent it for $6. I mean, any sort of money you could throw towards Aqua Teen, please do it because it definitely helps the show. So that is our Aqua Teen news this week. We got an exciting week here for news. Lastly, I just want to tell you really quickly that listener of the show, Sinsuki, they have started up a Tumblr blog called Ask the Aqua Teens. It's, it's just a fan-made blog where you ask, like you're asking the actual Aqua Teens and then Shinsuke, they will do some drawings for you and kind of answer the question in the style of the Aqua Teens. So, of course, this is not like an official thing. It's just a fun fan thing. So, if you're on that Tumblr life or if you just want to ask the Aqua Teens some questions, check out Ask the Aqua Teens. And, of course, link to that will be in the show notes. So that is it this week for our Aqua Teen news, our community news. You know what? When Unremarkable Voyage aired, that was back in May. So that was back in the spring of 2004. We have jumped ahead a couple months. We are now in the late summer of 2004. Let's see what in the world was going on when Remooned premiered. Fighting not only each other, but every other film in the theater this week, all the way to the top of the box office, we have Alien vs. Predator, the mashup that not really anybody was asking for, but we got it. These two creepy critters fighting each other, bringing in $38 million this week alone. The tagline on this film is, whoever wins we lose. Meaning it doesn't matter if the alien or the predator wins, they're going to come to Earth and fuck us all. That's not good news. Well, I guess they were kind of right because the reviews on this film are dog shit. I did see this movie. I do remember parts of this film, and this is actually, I saw this before I saw any alien or predator film, so this was my first introduction. But of course, you have these uh, really famous franchises coming together and duking it out. Perhaps they were inspired by Freddy and Jason duking it out back in 2003 to do a bit of a mashup here. Although, I guess there was a comic book based on the alien and predator fighting. So, that's kind of what inspired this. But if we could talk really quickly, of course, the biggest stars in these respective franchises did not reappear. So, we didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sigourney Weaver reprising their roles in this film. And at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was running for governor of California. And he said if he lost that race, then he would do a cameo for the film as long as it was filmed at his house. I like the way Arnold thinks. But of course, Arnold won, so he did not go on to to show up in this film. And Sigourney Weaver, I don't know if she was asked or not, but when asked about it, uh, she said that she was happy to not be in the film, and she thought the concept sounded awful. And the reviews don't disagree with her. But still, this film, it, it made a lot of money. I remember it was a spectacle at the time. You know, it's kind of a cool idea. These these two famous action franchises coming together and, and seeing the aliens fight the Predators. And of course, there was a sequel called Aliens vs. Predator Requiem that came out in 2007 that didn't do as hot. But that's really it for Alien vs. Predator. And of course, I want to tell you really quickly that nobody in Aqua Teen Hunger Force appeared in this film. Not really a surprise there, although there are a lot of aliens in Aqua Teen. I feel like they could have slipped some Moon Knights in there, but they decided not to. Um, because we are a few months ahead of Unremarkable Voyage, and this will go for all of our pop culture, we've been missing out on some summer uh, blockbusters here. So since Unremarkable Voyage came out, a few films topping the box office in between here, a little film called Shrek 2, one of the best movies of all time. You know, I, I, I had never seen Shrek 2 until actually a couple weeks ago, and it fucking rocked. I really liked it. Growing up, I had seen Shrek 1 a bunch, but not Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is so goddamn good. 
You gotta check it out if you haven't. It holds up. Otherwise, we had Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my least favorite Harry Potter book. I don't like any of the movies, but that was my least favorite book. But that film came out and did quite well. We had Dodgeball, a true underdog story. We had Fahrenheit 9-11, which, uh, of course, is a, a culturally big film, I think, of the time. We also had Spider-Man 2 coming out and topping the box office. And then also iRobot with Will Smith and that dog. And then The Village, too. So some really big cultural films coming out in this time. Of course, we can't talk about all of them, but I did want to mention them. And of course, in our season retrospective for season three, we will be talking about some of these more in depth because they are like the best selling films of the year. So that is our film talk for Remooned here. Let's move on. I can go on all day about this shit. Uh, let's move on to music. And we've had this happen before. The top Billboard album this week it's a now album. It's a compilation album of just big songs of the time. So I'm not going to play you a preview track because it's all different artists. But this thing sold over 500,000 copies this week alone. So serious business here. Although when I check out the track listing, it doesn't really blow me away. Some of the songs are like Outkast's Hey Ya, which is unsurprising. We have Black Eyed Peas with Hey Mama, Hoobastank with The Reason, Yellow Card with Ocean Avenue, Three Days Grace with Just Like You, a nice uh, mix of different kinds of songs here. But otherwise, there's like a lot of these songs I don't recognize, although maybe if I listen to them, I would, I would remember them. But yeah, it's a now CD, right? It's just a compilation, not super exciting to talk about, but it is the best-selling album. Over 504,000 copies sold this week alone. You can't really go wrong with that, I guess. It speaks for itself. Let's move on and take a listen to our top track this week. Slow motion for me, slow motion for me, moving slow motion for me. Ooh, I like it like that, she working that back. I don't know how to act. Slow motion for me, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, moving slow motion for me. Ooh, I like it like that, she working that back. I don't know how to act. Slow motion for me, slow motion for me, slow motion for me, moving slow motion for me. I'm a dick to her. So that is Slow Motion by Juvenile featuring Soldier Slim. And Soldier Slim at this point had passed away. So this is one of those instances of a song hitting the number one position after one of the artists on it had died. And also, this was the first number one hit for Cash Money Records, which of course will continue to blow up throughout the decade here. But I had never heard the song before, unsurprisingly. I'm sure you're shocked. At 10 years old, I wasn't really listening to this. I can't say that the lyric, slow down for me, you're moving too fast, my fingers keep slipping, I'm trying to grip that ass. That didn't really speak to me uh, at 10 years old. At 29 years old, this is like my biggest problem. My fingers are so slippery. Uh, maybe I should try washing them once in a while. But I can relate to this song now, so I'm glad I found it. Just another perk of doing this podcast. So, last but not least, let's give a listen to our top alternative track for the rockers out there. Just 
That is Three Days Grace with Just Like You. Of course, we mentioned that song previously because it is on now 16. And Three Days Grace, a band I was always aware of, but I never liked. And listening to this song, I know why, because they're just so fucking boring. Like, they're trying to seem edgy and hardcore, but the songs are so paint by numbers and, like, boring. I just, they just never did anything for me. And all these years later, still not. But guess what? Uh, they don't give a fuck because these guys are probably all rich because they have a lot of big singles. Uh, their their previous single was I Hate Everything About You. So this guy likes to write a lot of songs about other people here. Maybe he should look inward and figure out why he's so goddamn angry all the time. So last but not least, you know what's coming up. We've got some video games to talk about. So to make up for our time away, let me mention some pretty big video game news that happened just two days after Unremarkable Voyage premiered, so this being May 11th, 2004, we have Nintendo announcing their Revolution console, which was later renamed to the Wii. Which of course brings back a ton of memories of the mid-2000s, the Wii was kind of a staple there. I never had one, but I definitely played on it. And I find it so interesting that the Just Dance games, which of course are a dancing game, those, you know, debuted in like 2009, I think, and those were on the Wii, and they were still putting them out on the Wii up until 2019. They were still releasing Just Dance for the Wii because people kept buying them because the Wii still kind of popular. Now the Nintendo Switch that came out in 2017 kind of made the Wii somewhat obsolete because it also has that motion control element with the Joy-Cons. So I think that kind of put the Wii to bed. But yeah, that whole motion control aspect of the Wii. Nintendo, they may not be the most powerful consoles, but at least they're trying to do something new with their technology to some extent there. So yeah, the Wii was announced uh, two days after Unremarkable Voyage. To discuss a game that comes out a little bit before Remoon premieres, we have Doom 3 coming to PC here. And Doom 3 is kind of interesting because... It comes out 10 years later after Doom 2, so of course you can expect there is a big visual fidelity upgrade. It's like a smooth 3D game as opposed to the earlier Doom games, which were like a kind of like a, a 3D but uh, with like 2D elements to it. But this a big upgrade and a game that is still highly regarded today. And in fact, if you are into VR, there is a really cool VR port of Doom 3 that I guess works really well. The game, of course, in 2004 wasn't made with VR in mind, but I guess the way it was made does translate beautifully to VR. So I'm excited to check that out at some point. I've only played the original Doom and then the 2016 reboot. So this one is I think is definitely worth checking out. But yeah, that's 10 years after the original, which is pretty cool. So yeah, that is Doom 3 just coming out. So all right, it is August 15th, 2004. It's late at night. You're playing Doom 3. You're about to beat the game. And you're saying, wow, this game is so good. I just wish that the Doom guy was an Alien versus Predator. It should have been Alien versus Predator versus Doom guy. That would have been awesome. It would have been way better than the actual movie was. You're, you're going to write in. You're going to write into the studio and let them know about your idea. You're sure that they will accept this and that you'll probably make some money off of it. Because let me tell you, money, it's on your mind. You are a financial guru. You recently bought the Now 16 CD. You're saying to yourself, why the fuck would I buy all these albums individually when I can buy this one CD, have all these hit songs, all these hit songs for the price of one CD. You just can't beat that deal. Let me tell you, you have a bright future ahead and only people with bright futures, only those people watch Adult Swim. That's exactly what you're about to do. You're about to flip on the tube. What are you going to find tonight on Adult Swim? I'll tell you here. At 11 p.m., we are starting off the night with Family Guy, the episode titled Family Guy Viewer Mail Number 1. 
And it's one of those episodes where there's like kind of three shorts in one, but it's a really good time. I, I I have fond memories of this episode. I think it's a really solid episode. You get to see all different things happening in the Family Guy universe. At 11.30 p.m., we get Harvey Birdman, attorney at law with grape juice. Of course, we just talked about that one over on the Patreon. And I really liked that episode. I was surprised going into it. I hadn't seen Harvey Birdman in 15 years, and I didn't think I would like it, but I was dead wrong. I actually really enjoyed this episode. And the writing on this show is so smart and so quick that when I went back to listen to that Patreon episode after it was already out, you know, for quality control, there was jokes that I was getting listening back to it that I didn't even get originally. So, for example, in the episode, Gigi, she is suddenly pregnant and everyone is shocked, right? Because she's visibly showing after she previously was not. And the reason for that is, at the end of the episode, they reveal that Grape Ape is the dad. So that is why. Because she isn't that far along, but because it's Grape Ape's baby, it's huge. That's why her stomach is huge. It's just such a subtle, like, understated joke. I really, really like this show a lot. And written by Casper Kelly, so no surprise that it's great. At 11.45 p.m., we are getting C-Lab 2021 with Chalkboard Jungle. Moving on to midnight here, we are getting our only new episode of the night, and the reason, of course, that we are here, we have Aqua Teen with Remooned. At 12.15, we are getting The Brack Show with Brack Street, another episode we've discussed on the Patreon, and that is a fun episode, easily my favorite Brack Show episode. You have all the characters doing these little raps, you had MC Chris on the episode, and a little Meatwad cameo as well, visually, at least. So that is a great episode of Brack Show, I really had fun covering that one, too. Uh, at 12.30 a.m., we are getting the Venture Bros with Careers in Science. So this is not a new episode, but the previous night, August 14th, that Saturday, it was a new episode. So this episode just premiered the night before, and that's right, we are now getting Venture Bros episodes. The show had been around for a little while, but famously, the show just took so long in production that they are finally getting some new ones out here. At 1 a.m., we have Mission Hill, Plan 9 from Mission Hill, or I Married a Gay Man from Outer Space, which is, as I've talked about before on the podcast, I love Mission Hill, and this is one of my favorite episodes, not only of Mission Hill, but I think one of the best television episodes ever. Just a great, great episode. I'm kind of bummed that that one didn't win the Patreon poll, but I was happy to check out Harvey Birdman. Then at 1.30 a.m., wrapping up the night, we have Home Movies with Focus Grill, which is the last Home Movies episode, so... I gotta say, I've been doing this podcast for a while now. This is easily the best Adult Swim lineup I have ever seen that we've talked about. Every episode here is just stacked. You're in for a good time if you're sitting down August 15th, 2004. I think that like it's going to be hard to beat this lineup, not just in the shows that we have here, but in the episodes themselves. And you are in for a treat if you're about to watch this night. So I want to mention, because we have spent some time away from our Adult Swim lineup, we have a new Adult Swim show that we won't really see past this, but it's an anime called Case Closed, which did pop up on Adult Swim in our time away. And I did see Case Closed back in the day. I didn't watch it a ton, but I did check it out from time to time, and I did really like it. But the idea is that there is a 17-year-old high school student who is a detective, but he gets like a curse put on him. So now he's seven years old. He's a little kid, and he has to solve all these mysteries because he wants to get turned back into a 17-year-old. And uh, yeah, it's a good time, and it still holds up. The ratings on it are still really good. You can watch those for free over on Plex. 
And the other thing I want to mention is the show Baby Blues was sneaking back into our Sunday lineups over the summer while we were away. Of course, it was not in this lineup, but we have talked about Baby Blues before. It was one of those shows that was brought to Adult Swim. It wasn't made by William Street or made by Adult Swim, but it was re-aired on Adult Swim, one of those early classic shows that I really liked a lot as a kid growing up. So those are a few little uh, scheduling things to talk about, but yeah. That is our night this week, just the most stacked night I have seen since, and I look forward to seeing if it will ever be topped. But okay, I don't know about you, but I'm itching to get a new dose of the Moon and Nights. Let's go get them. It's tax season. Now me, I prefer to get that DD, that direct deposit right into my bank account, You can't go wrong with it, but not everybody's like me. For example, I doubt that you do an Aqua Teen Hunger Force podcast. And if unlike me, you prefer to get a fatty check instead of direct deposit for your tax return, well, guess what? Now you got to cash that check. Well, I've got the best cash checking place for you in the whole world. I'm talking community check cashing. This is the Jersey Shore's most trusted check casher If they can't cash it, trust me, it can't be cashed. Community Check Cashing are a licensed check cashing facility offering the best business rates in New Jersey. With three convenient locations in New Jersey, you'll be able to visit any of their stores without hassle anytime you need. Stop wasting your time at Foodie Mart and start saving your time with Community Check Cashing. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the hot, sexy singles over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, who are waiting for you now to sign up at the $5 and up tier to receive all sorts of exclusive content, some of which may be nude. Joining the ranks of the hot, sexy singles this week, we have Oracle signing on at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier. Oracle, they've got a cute little pixel art icon. I really like it. It's really, really adorable. I think Oracle will fit right in here with all the hot and sexy singles waiting for you now in your area at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Remooned premiering August 15th, 2004 with a TV 14 rating. And there are no other little, you know, letters after this. It's just a TV 14. It's the Moon and Nights, so no surprise there. But, you know, there is an asterisk after that because we will be talking more about this as the episode goes on. But to address the title on this one, it is just Remooned was always the official title. And then they went back and added the prefix of Moon and Nights 3 for the DVD, and we will find that with the Moonmaster episode as well that comes up later this season where they went back and prefixed that one as Moon and Nights 4. Why they decided to do that, I don't really know. I feel like it's not completely necessary, so I assume they added it because they thought it would be funny to add that to make it seem like a bigger deal than it was, maybe? Because, of course, the original ones, that there's not like Moon and Nights 1, Mayhem of the Moon and Nights, and Moon and Nights 2, Revenge of the Moon and Nights, so I don't know what the idea was here, but... um. When it aired, the title was just Remooned. However, there was somebody I saw saying the night that this aired that their TV guide called it Moon and Nights 3. So some discrepancy there, not really sure what the case is, but yeah, that's why we're just going to be calling this one Remooned. And on voice duties on Remooned, we actually are finally getting some different characters here. They're not big characters, but new characters nonetheless. So 
Three seasons in, we are finally about to see a new Moon Knight creature. We have Uncle Cliff, who will be played by Nick Inkatanawat. And then we have the Foodie Mart clerk, who we don't actually see him, but he's working at the Foodie Mart, and we get from his perspective. And that is played by Vishal Roni. Both guys we've talked about on this podcast, they both work on Aqua Teen. So, you know, if you've heard previous episodes, you'll know who they are. And we'll talk a little bit more about these characters as we see them in the episode. So that's basically it. Of course, we are not covering the Space Kataz intro here. We will be covering that all in one go over on the Patreon. But something I do want to mention here is it's kind of interesting because we have the Moon and Knights in the Space Kataz opening, you know, fucking around with the Plutonians. But then they're in this episode too. So I wonder if that was misleading for anybody because it opens, you see the Moon and Knights, and then they come up again in the episode, but there's no reference at all to the to the cold open really so kind of an interesting thing because with like with dr weird we typically would just see him at the beginning and then that would be it and we wouldn't see him again or if we did see him again in an episode it would be somewhat in relation to the opening of the episode but that's not the case here it's kind of disjointed and again the space katas i mean you know it was a pilot they're cutting it up throwing it here it wasn't really intended to have any sort of interplay with the moon and knights actually in the episode it was supposed to be a different thing so, okay, let's jump into our episode proper now, and we open in on the Moonanites. They are spray-painting a rock. They are on the moon, and it's just this vast, you know, wasteland, really. There's nothing there, and they will admit that they are bored. Observer, the digital nods. The principal will resent his nods being presented in such a crude manner. You're not painting on no school. That's a damn rock. Well, and I like to rock. I will rock your face! We are bored. Yeah, I'm bored. Poor Moon Knights there. I left in that extra silence like from the episode just to illustrate that they got nothing going on. They're just here. They're spray painting. The spray paint bottle just says spray paint on it. Pretty nondescript. As you heard, they are spray painting on a rock, and and Ignignati is making the the principal's nards, which are supposed to be his balls. But of course, the Moonanites are pixelated, so he's drawing two squares. Those are supposed to be the nuts. And to speak to some of the artwork we see on this rock, there's another rock too. We can see that they tagged up. Uh, we see Ur rules. We see what I assume is supposed to be like a crude middle finger drawing. We see bite me, but it's written as like a, a kilobyte, like B Y T E me uh principal nar the principal's nards are misspelled it says principal nads <laughs> which is really funny uh we see butthole on the rock we see the name kelly and then something after that and then a phone number again you have to remember the the resolution here is so small it's hard to make stuff out then we see a secondary rock but all i see are sucks a bunch of times written on it uh, i can't quite make out some of the other words because of the resolution but you have to assume that you know the animators here are just putting in some some inside jokes kind of funny because the moon and nights they're based on video games uh, i feel like if they just had some video games here they wouldn't be as bored but i guess they have the next best thing they're gonna go harass ignignox's uncle cliff and cliff he is a cyan moon and night and he's kind of uh, squished down here he looks kind of messed up and it's revealed that he he has some sort of mental disturbances hey let's go see your uncle cliff cliff is a roofer we can f with him all day cliff is highly confused confused enormous let's challenge his shattered view of the world <laughs> hey cliff boo <laughs> Is he all right? Cliff hasn't been all right since the Lunar War. 
That's enough for Poor Cliff, man. He was just sitting there playing with some rocks. That's all he was doing was just keeping to himself. And you hear Ur just going to town, just jumping all over, saying, boo, 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 freaking him out. I guess there was some sort of lunar war. So we're getting some backstory here, some lore to the show that there was a lunar war. I don't know. Maybe you could try and stretch this into the space Kataz thing. But obviously, Uncle Cliff isn't involved in that whatsoever. So who knows here? But pretty sad that Uncle Cliff, he's got some sort of problem with him and and they're just bothering him instead of instead of taking care of him or just leaving him alone. Let him play with his rocks, for God's sakes. But of course, that is Nick in Katanawat screaming his head off as Uncle Cliff. And it's so cool to see more kind of creatures like this. And as the series goes on, we will see a few more. But I don't think they ever really have any big roles, even in this capacity. I think they're just kind of uh, visual things as opposed to actually being characters. So poor Uncle Cliff, he's all distraught, but Ignignoct is going to notice by Uncle Cliff is what appears to be a giant check. And that's really going to excite the Moon and Knights, uh, Ignignoct and Ur. They're going to grab it, jump over to their spaceship, and then poor Uncle Cliff, he's going to stay there. And then just out of nowhere, a giant rock, I assume it's like an asteroid or something, is going to come down and just crush him. Look. What the F is that? It's Cliff's check from the government for being crazy. Holy damn, look at that. Come, we shall acquire it without permission from Cliff. We must steal it. And blow it over there. Stay, Cliff, and everything will be all right. Poor Cliff, man. He didn't deserve any of that. He's getting his uh, disability check stolen. At least that's what the Moon and Knights think it is. Of course, we will see what it really is as the episode goes on. But I noticed here in Ur's acting, of course, played by Matt Malero. At this point, Matt's letting more of his accent show through. So Ur has a bit more of like a southernness to his voice at times, which is really funny. And I think it's also just, of course, you know, having talked to Matt at this point, like I, I know I know it more. I know what to expect more. So I think when I'm hearing it, I'm definitely picking up on it more in a way that I did not before I started doing this podcast, which I think is really funny. I like that the Moon and Knights, they're like, oh, yeah, this is his check from the government. Like, what government? The Moon government, I guess? But the Moon seems so unpopulated, like it's just them, and that's kind of the impression that we've always gotten. So what government do they think is giving Cliff this check? It doesn't doesn't make sense, but at the same time, opens up to a lot of questions and, and expands the lore of Aqua Teen. But okay, let's put a pin in the Moon and Knights for now. We're going to jump to Earth, New Jersey here. We got the Aqua Teen specifically... Shake and Meatwad. We have Meatwad in the microwave. We are in the kitchen. We haven't been in the kitchen in a long time. I feel like the last time was maybe... Shit, I don't know, man. Off the top of my head, Super Sirloin? I, I don't know. That might not be correct, but it's been a long time. We don't go in the kitchen a lot, but we're in there now. We have Shake microwaving something. The microwave asset is new. That will be on top of their stove. He's microwaving something. It beeps, and then he opens it, and it's Meatwad in there. That was incredible. You know you were in there for almost five minutes? You're going to win, and you're going to get in that book. Man, the pressure on my eyes was indescribable. <laughs> yeah, but that was easy. We just did a thaw. That was only on fish. I'm ready for poultry. No, you're not. But you will improve with practice, so there's still hope. This time, you're going to be in there a while, so maybe you should get some reading material. Like, Ooh, here, read this box of foil. Do not lose a microwave oven. <laughs> 
So as you know, I love seeing these guys be buddy-buddy, even if Shake here is is kind of terrorizing Meatwad. At least he thinks he is. Of course, we'll get to that soon. But I love the play with Meatwad saying, oh, I'm ready for poultry. And Shake's like, no, you're not. But with time, you will be, or whatever he says. Very funny to me the way they're just feeding off each other here. And I always love to point out the detail whenever there is some sort of appliance that the time is not set on it. It's just flashing 12 o'clock. That is the instance here and a great touch from the animators on the show. And speaking of animation here, we have a new animation of Meatwad. He is spinning around in the microwave, of course. I'm surprised their microwave is this nice. Like, I'm surprised it even, uh, you know, it's not all dinged up or anything. It looks brand new. I'm surprised it spins. You figure their, their microwave would be broken or something, but that's not the case. So we have Meatwad spinning around inside. We get a full 360 view of the guy. Very cool here. And just, you know, a jump in the animation in 2004 of what they're able to pull off with their budget. I really don't see them trying to do something like that in season one of the show, that's for sure. But moving on here, the microwave is going to start to act kind of weird, and Shake will kind of comment on it, and then we will see Frylock, who will reveal that he reversed the rays on the microwave. So it's not microwaving inward, it's microwaving outward, and that will cause all sorts of issues. And by issues, I mean our classic Hanson Space Ghost Fire will appear all over the place while the kitchen begins to melt. Getting hot in here. Phew! Uh, Shake? What? I am busy! Are you using the microwave? <laughs> no! Do we have one? I never have. What is that thing? Uh, just so you know, I reversed the rays on that microwave. Just in case you decided to put one of our roommates in there. That's so ridiculous, I can't even talk to you right now. <laughs> what would make you think that I'd ever want to even do anything like that? I found these crudely drawn plants. So, uh, whoa. Ho! Why is the, why is the kitchen, hey. Did you not hear a word I just said about reversing the rays on the microwave? Thanks a lot, thanks a lot! <laughs> I got my energy drinks in there, they're all ruined! <laughs> now I'm gonna be worn out all day! Master Shake, definitely an early adapter of the energy drink. I, I totally see that fitting into his personality here. And it's funny because he's somebody who doesn't really need energy. He doesn't do anything other than terrorize Meatwad. But you heard there was a visual element there. We had Frylock saying that he found Shake's plans, and the plans consisted of a crude drawing of Meatwad and then a, an arrow pointing to a microwave. So that's what Shake was going to do. Frylock saw it, so then he reversed the rays on the microwave. So we had in the previous clip, Master Shake threw in some aluminum foil into the microwave with Meatwad as reading material, but you're not supposed to put aluminum foil in the microwave. Basically, the electric field in a microwave just causes the aluminum foil or any metal, really, like spoons or forks, to heat up very quickly and can cause it to ignite. So that's kind of why there are fires appearing now all over the house, because Shake was already doing this and nothing was happening. But now that he threw the aluminum foil in, I guess the idea is that that's what's causing like everything to freak out. Doesn't really make sense, but I think that's supposed to be the logic here. Back to Shake's energy drinks, I wonder what he's drinking here. I did not really start drinking energy drinks until, honestly, this year with, like, the flavored monsters, because at work, they gave us some for free, like, some of the orange ones, and I was like, ah, I know I don't like monsters, because I tried it before, and I never really liked it, but the orange one, I'm like, oh, this tastes like orange pop, I love this, so then I, I started tasting the other ones, like the grape one I love, and some of the other ones are alright as well. Um, but back then, I'm looking at a list now of, of uh, energy drinks back at this time period, 
actually energy drinks dating back to 1875 in the United States. And of course, you know, Coca-Cola was the top dog for a long time. So uh, Red Bull Energy was introduced in 97 and Monster Energy was introduced in 2002 with Full Throttle joining the mix in 2004. So I'm going to rule out Full Throttle here. I'm going to guess, I think Master Shake is definitely a Monster Energy drinker, just the, the natural kind. I think it fits his personality. I mean, we've seen the inside of him is green. It's probably, uh, my guess is a partly because of the Monster Energy that he consumes I totally see him as a monster guy, not a Red Bull guy. And for the record, I still don't like normal monster. I think it tastes disgusting, but you make it taste like a soda pop. I'll slurp it up all day long. So Shake, he, he is going on his monologue here about why he needed his energy drinks that are now spoiled for some reason. I mean, the fridge still looks fine. You'd expect those to be in the fridge, but regardless, the Moon and Knights are going to come down. They're going to come down in their ship, but there's going to be that giant uh, check. Let's call it that. On the back of the ship, they're going to come down with it, and they're just going to jump through the Aqua Teen's window and start talking with Shake and Frylock. I got no carbs, no electrolytes. <laughs> I needed that boost, man. Oh, it feels good to stretch my legs. Boy, I haven't bitch slapped someone since Tucson. Bend over, slave. Prepare for a pride-obliterating bitch slap. All right. You went. Damn it. <laughs> hell's your problem? Come on, now, you know how this is gonna end, We will you? decide your fate, Fryman, and the fate of the entire galaxy. As soon as you... Could could you pa cash my paycheck? Hit your bones of ID! <laughs> Suck them both! Would you mind? And you'll do it. You think if we had money, we'd live here? I hate to say it, <laughs> but, uh... Red Box over here has a point. My allowance has been seriously cut back because I'm not <laughs> responsible with money. <laughs> Shake's allowance. So it's revealed here that Frylock has been giving Shake an allowance. Like, he doesn't really work. He doesn't have a job. Frylock just gives him some fun money, which I guess we've seen in other episodes. Like, when Shake wanted to go to the movies and Frylock had to give him some money. But I just love hearing Shake say that he needs his allowance. But back to the beginning of the clip, he's talking about how he doesn't have carbs. He doesn't have his electrolytes. He needs his energy drinks. Poor guy. But, of course, then the Moon Knights come in and... They, they bitch slap, well, specifically, er, bitch slaps Shake. He's pretty upset about that. And I like how Frylock's like, you know how this is going to end, don't you? Like, I like how they're acknowledging how things are going to carry out. And we will see that again in the Little Brittle episode, which I really like. I like when they're self-aware like that. And as you know, I will bring it up again. I wasn't crazy about Super Sirloin because of that, because it's like, you know, th they would know who that is and they would know how it would end. But I like that they're addressing that here just so bluntly. Not just the characters to themselves, but, you know, Matt and Dave to the audience as well. And from there, Ur mentions how he has two forms of ID and he just shows two middle fingers. But it seems like the Moonanites, I think what they're saying to Frylock and the Aqua Teens when they say, will you cash my paycheck, please? They don't mean, like, help me cash it. They're saying, literally, give me the money for this paycheck. Like, they think they can just cash this at the Aqua Teen's house. It doesn't make any sense why they would ever believe that. But maybe it just means that they hold the Aqua Teens in very high esteem, that they have the power to do something like that. I'm not really sure. But at the end of that clip, it kind of got cut off there because we heard a ding on the microwave. And that is me what he's done now. The microwave door will open. I don't understand. Like, he can only come out when, the, when it's done. Which doesn't make sense because it's not like the microwave locks when you're using it, right? But uh, I guess, you know, that's his time to come out. Meatwad, the, the door's going to pop open. He's going to give some financial advice. He's a financial guru. You should consider a broth IRA. Did I hear a ding? <laughs> Get back in the magic house. 
USA! USA! Back in the box! Rookies. Get back in the magic house. Uh, Shake says, I didn't hear a ding, but there was a ding. But um, yeah, that is Meatwad talking about his, a broth IRA instead of a Roth IRA. Which, not to get into the boring technicals of what a Roth IRA is, but it's basically just a retirement account. We'll just leave it at that. As for the broth IRA, I'm not really sure if there's any differences there. I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's better than nothing. I love that we go into a little USA chant because over on Grape Juice, the episode of Harvey Birdman, the same thing happens. So we have that happening at least twice on this night on Adult Swim. And who knows, maybe another show does it as well. But uh, some patriotism here. Uh, Meatwad, he's a patriotic fellow. This is post 9-11, so... Not a surprise here. The teens, they're kind of, uh, they're proud of where they live, even though they are illegal immigrants. <laughs> so, yeah, after shoving Meatwad back in the magic house, after pumping him up, Shay's going to turn the microwave back on and head back out to the living room to continue the conversation with Frylock and the Moonanites. Look, why don't you try a check cash in place? We don't just try to do what earthlings tell us. But, um, where would it be located? If we were to stoop so low as to get your pathetic directions. Your punishment is to write those down for suggesting anything to us, now and forever. So, there is the timer going off again. I wonder, you know, Shake only put it on for 15 seconds, I guess. But I love this trait of Aqua Teen characters. We see it all the time. We saw it, we saw it with Frylock in the previous episode. We see it with Shake all the time. We're seeing it with the Moon Knights now. And that somebody will suggest something to them and the character is just like they do not want to admit that it was helpful advice and that they want to do what was suggested to them. They will act like it's bad advice, but then they will kind of uh, slyly or not so slyly try and get the person to uh, either help them do it or they will just bluntly do it in front of the person but act like it was their own idea. So I always like when that happens. And uh, back to what I was saying about the Moonanites went to the Aqua Teens house to cash their check. But now they're acting like, oh, we don't think highly of you, even though it's like, well, if that was the case, why do you keep going to the Aqua Teens house? Why are you trying to get there? Like, why did you think that they would cash your check in the first place? Just very funny here, the inconsistencies and that they uh, they want to appear as if they are superior and everyone else is not only below them, but completely worthless. So we're going to cut back to the kitchen again. I actually really like the way that Matt and Dave have written this, where we, like, we, we go on with the conversation a little bit with the Moon Knights, then we cut to the kitchen, then we come back, and now we're cutting back to the kitchen. It's just a nice way to break it up, because if, if all of this was just one long conversation with just Shake, Frylock, and the Moon Knights, it would get kind of boring, I think. So this is a really smart way for them to keep things moving along and entertaining while also advancing the plot. But again, the microwave beeps, so Meatwad's gonna come out again, and the kitchen at this point is completely fucked. It's just all melted and in a horrible state. I can't believe that Frylock didn't do anything about this. you think he would have stopped uh, either the microwave or at least put the flames out, but he didn't. The kitchen is ruined, and Meatwad, he is going to uh, come up with a narrative on exactly what is happening here. In a post-apocalyptic world, one man is transported from the microwave dimension to feast upon the remains of those who once lived. Wait it all. You shut up. You're not that guy. I'm telling you, Dad, make a good movie. Yeah, good movie. Break the friggin' projector. Do what you do best. Act stupid and follow me. Now, come on. Yes, everyone. But not to the check-cashing place. So that was Frylock following them. I'm not sure if he was following them like, to go where they're going, or if Frylock was just going to close the door. But regardless, Ignignot kind of peeks in, and, and you heard, not he says, not to the check-cashing place, meaning that, like, oh, I'm not listening to your advice. 
Uh, so we don't really see like the resolution with Frylock here. My impression though is that he wanted to go with them, which kind of surprising, but at the same time, maybe he'd want to go with to make sure that they aren't really doing anything too bad, specifically to Meatwad. Uh, but I love Meatwad's little monologue there. He he leaves the microwave dimension to feast on the remains of the dead, basically. He's just going there to eat people. It's a very interesting movie. I guess I would watch it, maybe. I, if Meatwad was in it, I would definitely watch it. That's for sure. And I like Meatwad, again, with the rated R, which he used that same line in Unremarkable Voyage. And uh, I think it's funny every time. Again, fun play between Meatwad and Shake. I like that Shake is involving Meatwad here, although... Knowing Shake and knowing the Moon Knights, they want Meatwad to come with just to pin everything on Meatwad. But obviously, if you've seen the episode, that's not really the case. So it's nice that he's involving Meatwad after just having him in a microwave for most of the episode, intending to kill him, basically. So I have a correction for something I said earlier and something I always thought was true. I don't know why I thought this. I was under the impression that every single episode this season had a commentary track. But that's not true. There's no commentary track on this one. And they do kind of talk to like Nick and Katanawat about playing Uncle Cliff in one of the other episode commentaries. But otherwise, like nothing really worth mentioning here. But yeah, there are some episodes this season without commentary tracks. And of course, it's worth repeating again that the commentary tracks that are included, they aren't always that focused and stuff. So it's not like a huge sense of missing out, but it is a bummer. I, I do really like those commentary tracks. There usually are some good bits of information in them. But that's not the case for this one, but that's okay. I feel like there's enough going on in this episode. It's it's a fun episode, so it's like, eh, I don't really have to rely on the commentary track that much. But I did want to mention that, that uh, not every episode this season has a commentary, which is what I originally thought. So, okay, let's move on here. We're going to revisit a spot we've been to before. We are going to the Foodie Mart, which we saw back in the Meat Zone episode. However, in that episode, we only hung out outside of it. We didn't go in. This time we are going in, and also we are meeting the attendant here who will be played by Vishal Roni, who, as I have said, you know, we've talked about him before. He was a line producer on the show and just one of those important guys in the Aqua Teen and the Matt and Dave world. He worked on a lot of their other shows, too. He worked on Space Ghost before Aqua Teen. Very important person in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He will be playing the attendant here. But we, we don't see the attendant, we just get like a first-person view, we get his perspective, which is really interesting, and of course, you know, it, it's a way to save money, that way they don't have to not only create this new character, but also animate him, but I, I really like the way that they handle this, we don't get something like this from Aquatine a lot, this change in perspective, so we will be behind the counter looking at Master Shake and Ignignacht here. They're trying to uh, see if they will cash this check, which they don't really do that here. And the poor clerk, he won't be able to get it through their heads. What do you mean, no? Don't you know how much this is for? Because I do not. Look, uh, <laughs> we don't cash checks here. And we don't respond to threats? I'll say it one more time in a little language I like to call English. Or maybe I should say it in Mexicano. Get back, Dero, and Casho de Checo, amigo. Andale, andale. He's not responding, Cup. Lay into him more. I lay into him more. I've got this, uh, <laughs> that thing there is your check? Yeah, 
That's the check. Well, we don't cash them. Oh, you never seen a check before? <laughs> oh, me so sorry. Uh, maybe you're in the wrong business. And maybe immigration would like to know about this. <laughs> Good, because you know what? I'm American. Well, I'm not. But when I become one, maybe then I'll legally buy a weapon and we won't have to vote you out of office. <laughs> well, we scumbag. Uh, Master Shake yet again going on the rant you can expect to hear from your uncle at Thanksgiving. Just going off on this poor guy who's like, we don't do that here. Like, it doesn't, you know, Shake, he just won't accept that. He's just berating this guy about absolutely nothing. And and he's just angry and directing all this rage at this guy. And I love Shake just openly admitting that he's not even a U.S. citizen or anything like that. Visually here, we have Meatwad and and Ur. They were hanging out outside uh, watching the check. And we, we saw Ur kind of jumping so he could see what's going on inside. And as to the visuals inside, of course, over on the Frat Aliens Hell Week episode where we covered that Aquadong side piece, we did go inside the Foodie Mart there. Of course, that episode came out in 2022. This is a 2004 episode of Aqua Teen, of course. So uh, this is our first like time in the actual timeline coming in here, but it's pretty nondescript. It's just like the inside of, of a gas station. There's nothing super crazy going on here. Of course, credits to Bob Pettit because that was the intention. It's even funnier seeing these absurd characters uh, up against this kind of normal backdrop here. But some of the things we do see, I'm seeing two different products that I think are called Lulu's. Like that's the brand. And of course, Lulu is Dave's nickname for his wife, Lisa. So that's kind of cute there that they worked that in. Uh, I see some Angeladitos here in the background. Very nice. But yeah, we see some gumballs, some newspapers. I'm not going to bore you. It looks like a gas station. I work retail, of course, but I I don't really have any horror stories with, with customers. The only thing that comes to mind is one time I was walking back from my break and I was walking past like the cash registers, which at Target, most of them are closed, right? They have like maybe three open if you're lucky and the rest is self-checkout. And there was this, this older lady, maybe she was like in her late 50s, with a cart with stuff in it. I don't think the cart was even that full. And she's like, excuse me, if I don't want to do self-checkout, does that mean I have to walk all the way down there? Because, you know, there's a, ro there's a row of registers and she was at like by the ones that weren't open, meaning that she would have to take the 30 steps maybe to get over to the section where the registers are open. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, that's, you know, just how it is. And because uh, I, I, I'm not a cashier or anything, I was going back to do my job. And she just says, poor service. Like she was so angry. I was like, what the fuck? But like in the moment, I'm trying to kind of like keep it together. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm sorry. Like, that, like I get that. It's, it's annoying because it is. It's like dumb that they have like 10,000 registers at Target, but they only have like three open at any given time. Like, what's the point? Um, so I said, oh yeah, like, I'm sorry. And she said, no, you're not. As she walks away. And I genuinely just started fucking cracking up as I was walking away. Like, you're so angry. Like, first of all, just do self-checkout. Like, it's not that hard if you're too lazy to walk down that way. But like, really, like, that's what you're being told is you have to walk a little bit further. It was honestly insane to me. And I was just laughing for like probably two minutes after that. I just could not believe somebody got that mad over having to walk a little bit further away. But okay, moving back to our Aqua Teen episode here. I love how giant this check is. I don't know. I don't know if I really uh, talked about that. It's huge. It's gigantic. It takes up like like three parking spaces in the parking lot. They're just lugging this thing around town. But, but uh, they'll get back to that more in the episode. So Shake and Ignignock, they leave the foodie mart, they go outside now, and they're going to tell Meatwad and Ur what happened, and, and Shake is still pissed off about it. 
unbelievable. Unfathomable. You know, they sneak in, <laughs> and then they try to rule us. Well, I'm going to sneak into your country and do this job there, and then not cash any of your friggin' checks. How are you like that? You won't, because you'll be here! <laughs> Your logic is flawless, but my brain has transmitted a better idea. I love how just angry, how seething Shake is over something that he should not even be angry about. And I don't even mean in, in my situation of, oh, the lady had to walk a little bit further and now she's pissed. Like, he's mad that somebody won't do something that they can't do for him. It's just so, so bizarre. But of course, as always, great acting by Dana Snyder here, really getting this, this across. And I like how Ignignoct is kind of backing Shake up on this. He's like, your your reasoning is, is flawless or your logic is flawless or whatever. Uh, yeah, just Shake going off completely. But it's okay. Shake, he can calm down because Ignignoct has an idea. And that idea is going to Carl's and asking him to cash the check. Now, this is something that I didn't even think about until I started recording this here. And it's that I always assumed that they wanted Carl to like take the check to the bank and cash it for them. But I genuinely don't know if they're actually asking him to just give them the money and then he can keep the check to cash it. I don't really know what their intention is here. Either, you know, Carl takes the check to the bank while they accompany him or just giving them cash right now for the check and they like sign it over to him or something. I don't know. And of course, something I didn't mention also from a previous clip is that Shake doesn't even know how much this check is for. Nobody knows how much this check is for. And of course, if you know the twist to this one, then, I mean, yeah, it all makes sense. But they are going to Carl's house here, and they're going to try and negotiate him to cash this check. What's in it for me? Do you see that tiny, pathetic star up there? That's in it for you. Oh, yours. Which one? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I think you see it. You couldn't see anything without it. It's called the sun. Maybe you've heard of it, fatty. Are you serious? You own that? No freaking way. <laughs> but it could be called the Carl if you play your cards correctly. Wait, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This isn't true, is it? You don't own it, do you? We could. Right now, we don't feel like it. Alito <laughs> wants his hand back. So just unsurprisingly here from the Moon Knights, they promised Carl something that they cannot deliver on. They're like, yeah, uh, we own it. Uh, oh, well, we could own it if we wanted to, but we don't want to right now. However, Carl, he he's still in on this. He just wants something he can use, so... We're going to see now that Ignignoct is holding his gun like a blaster, and then Carl's trying to take it away. I don't really know why it's out. Like, it wasn't out before, and it's not out after this. It's just arbitrarily and randomly. He's just holding the blaster while Carl tries to take it away, but they won't give him the blaster. All right, well, uh, you know, I got to have some I can use. Yeah, right. Give me that laser gun. No, Carl. You give me that. Carl, Carl, Carl. <laughs> You just go out of control with a laser gun. He is correct. <laughs> but we can offer you this. Cash our check, and you will get... Immortal. Never-ending life. <laughs> nah. Sometimes I kind of want to die. How about uh, we do... Uh, going rate 6%. What the... Hey, that's how they freaking do it at the docks. Stop, so that's Urza's beating the shit out of Carl, but of course we've got a lot more to talk about before we get to that. There's just some great visual comedy of seeing Carl trying to grab onto this blaster, and then he's like wrestling around with this pixelated creature. It just looks so funny and bizarre, uh, and I'm, I'm honestly genuinely flabbergasted by the fact that Ignignoct is somehow stronger than Carl and is strong enough to hold on to the blaster while uh, while Carl's trying to take it out of his hands. You would think Carl would be much stronger, and all evidence would suggest this, but uh, I guess it's just for whatever reason not the case. 
I absolutely love Shake coming in as the voice of reason saying, Carl, you would just be out of control with a laser gun. <laughs> it's just like using Shake in this way that you would not expect at all. And that's not really a humor that we get a ton from the show. Typically, Aqua Teen derives its humor from the characters acting the way you would expect them to, not in a way that you would not expect them to. But when they do bust it out, it's so funny. Like, you can't believe Shake is saying that, but he's being so goddamn reasonable that you're like, hey, he's not wrong. Like, Carl would go nuts with a laser gun. So some other examples of that off the top of my head are when Frylock puts on that BDSM mask and is like, tell me I've been bad. You don't expect that at all from Frylock. And then they do it a lot more with Meatwad when usually he's, you know, the dumb gullible character, but occasionally he's like this evil genius who can orchestrate just insane pain on Master Shake. So fun to see them do that with Shake here of him being reasonable. But yeah, he's right. Uh, Carl would go crazy with that blaster. He does not need it. At least the Moon Knights are a little bit more reserved. Now they are pretty liberal with the blaster and we will see that going forward. But at least they didn't pull it out on the Foodie Mart worker like you would have expected them to. And okay, the last thing I need to mention here, of course, is they're going to offer Carl eternal life. But he's like, no, sometimes I want to die. But Beyond that, I think Carl is smart enough to know that they cannot offer him that anyways, so it doesn't even matter what he would have said, but still, I love uh, this, this dark nihilistic energy from Carl. It's always nice when he brings it. So jumping back into the scene, Er, he's beating the shit out of Carl because Carl proposed that he wants 6% of the check. And again, nobody even knows how much this check is for. Uh, it could be for a dollar and they're, and they're spending all this time and effort trying to cash it. But uh, yeah, uh, Ur will, will basically beat the shit out of Carl. He will fall down and be incapacitated and basically pass out from, from the blunt force trauma, I assume. After that, Ignignox is going to pull the blaster back out. He's going to shoot it up Carl's ass, and then there will be, you know, one of the pixel bullets going up Carl's behind there. Poor Carl here. He doesn't deserve any of this. And then he will give some instructions to shake. Chill, Ur. Chill. Oh, shoot. I guess I was too late. Get his wallet. You. Shave him. So, Shake has been instructed to shave Carl. Uh, yeah, unnecessary to shoot the bullet up his ass, poor Carl. And it, it's, it's almost like a sawing effect, it looks like, in there. There's, like, sparks flying out of the bullet as it slowly moves through Carl. Gotta wonder what Frylock is doing in these moments. I guess he's just letting them all run wild and wreak havoc throughout town. But, yes, Carl is going to be shaved. And before we move on to our next clip, there's actually something kind of interesting that I forgot to tell you about, and that is that this is the first, like, continuous episode of this season. So, of course, we had Video Ouija, we had Unremarkable Voyage. As you know, those were both aired apart. This one is the beginning of consistent episodes for the rest of season three. So because of that, every episode we cover now will be just seven days later from the previous one, airing every Sunday. So this will bring us to late October of 2004, because we are currently in middle of August 2004. And watching this episode, it's kind of a reminder of how times have changed, because of course, I mean, checks are still a thing, of course, but cashing them can be so much easier, because at least at my bank... You can just take a picture of the check and it'll cash it for you that way. You don't even have to go in anywhere. Now, of course, the Moonanites and even the Aquatines, I assume, don't have like a bank account. But, you know, it's like these days, you don't, you don't even really have to worry about cashing a check if you have a bank that lets you just use your smartphone to take a picture of it and, and be done with it. So, okay, we had Shake. He, he had to shave Carl. We're now going to see why. Because we're going to cut to the Foodie Mart again, 
where we will see Carl's driver's license here, which has a plethora of information that I'll get to after the clip. But then the license is dropped by the, the attendant, because again, we're back in that first person perspective. And we see Meatwad on the counter with Carl's mustache and his hair. So Meatwad is supposed to be Carl to cash the check. But we're at the Foodie Mart where they have established that you cannot cash checks. So it's just so silly here. And Meatwad will kind of go back and forth. But of course, he does a shitty job at pretending to be Carl. You also have Master Shake, Er, and Ignignoc in the window looking in with that giant check behind them. Poor Ignignoc, he has to keep jumping up to see the window because he's too short. Er, he's kind of standing on something. Uh, so it's very obvious what's going on here. Plus, I mean, it's another food monster, another weirdo coming into this store. I think that that would tip the guy off anyways. But regardless, it doesn't matter because he doesn't cash checks. Meatwad, he's going to notice the, the little bowl of free pennies that you will see at some gas stations, like the take a penny, leave a penny thing, and uh, he will use that to buy some gum. And as you can see, that's my proper identification. <laughs> it all checks out. You will notice a difference in height. That's because I'm an organ donor. Had to have my body removed last year and donated. I certainly hope you don't discriminate here. No, uh, Mr. Uh... Meatwad. It, it doesn't say that on here. What does it say? Carl? Yeah, that's his ID. What are you doing? What's taking so long? God. So I'll be taking my money now. Well, you know what? It doesn't even matter. I, I don't even cash checks here. Not, definitely not that one. What him? Hey, quick question. Is them pennies? Yeah. And y'all just giving them out? How much is gone? Just a great scene here. Just the visually just seeing Meatwad with the mustache and the Carl hair is funny. Also, he's sitting on the counter, but just the way he plays it. At first, he's doing like an okay job in so far as he's actually sticking to the script of like, yeah, I had to have my body amputated and donated. Like he had to donate his body. Uh, so like he kind of sticks with it, but then he's like, yeah, that's Carl's driver's license. Like he just kind of drops the whole shtick uh, out of nowhere almost. But to Carl's driver's license here, we get a lot of information. Of course, we knew his last name from Mail Order Bride, but this is the first time we're kind of seeing seeing it written out. Uh, we see his address, 328 Fairley Street, South Jersey, New Jersey. Uh, sex, male, obviously, eyes brown, height, 5'11". And then after that, all you can see, it just says, like, I. Maybe it's supposed to say issued. We don't see his weight, which I think is interesting that they didn't make a joke about that. But uh, Carl, the big thing here is he was born February 19th, 1961. So that is coming up soon in real life right now. I'm recording this on uh, February 3rd of 2023. So I'll have to make sure to wish Carl a happy birthday here. But yeah, that's about it for the driver's license. It's kind of nice to get Carl's height. We can use that to kind of gauge how tall the other Aqua Teens are. I do want to jump back to Carl's birthday really quickly. So he was born in 61, which is five years before Matt Malero. I have to wonder who gave him this birthday. Like, was it Matt and Dave? Did they come up with this information? The thing I am constantly surprised by is how much really just freedom that the artists on the show had. And I guess like it's something that I objectively know, but when I find it out, it's surprising to me. I was just emailing with Dave today, asking him about something. And he's like, oh, I don't know, you, like Bob Pettit would have done that. And it was like kind of a big detail. And I was like, wow, it's just like, you know that these people had so much freedom. But when you actually see examples of it, it's just kind of shocking. So who knows uh, who decided Carl's birthday here? Hopefully that's just something we can figure out eventually. 
But otherwise, yeah, I mean, you hear that how that scene plays out. This this attendant just must be very amused that these fucking morons keep coming back. Like they're trying to trick him into doing something that he already explained he couldn't do. It's just very funny. And I have to imagine like the reason they came back here is really like to save money, right? Like the production team that is and that like they already have this new background. Let's just use it again. But that just leads to some great humor of them like just coming back here to try this scheme again, trying to, I mean, I've already said it so many times. So a uh, little meatwad here, he wants to buy some gum. And this reminds me of being a kid when we would go to the local drugstore. It was like not a chain or anything. It was just a local place and they'd have, you know, the cheap like 10 cent candy. So you'd always pick something out. So kind of gives me those kind of vibes. Meatwad is now going to exit the foodie mart and then flex on the guys outside. He's going to be blowing some big bubbles with his new chewing gum. They're going to get jealous, and this will inspire Ur to eventually break through the window and start stealing stuff. What happened? Did he buy it? I bought me some gum. Where did you get Where gum? Where did you get gum? <laughs> in there. In the gum aisle. Perfect. That's <laughs> not what we sent you in there for. But that's what I come out with. Tell me, were there weenie wraps? Microwavable. But weenie wraps, nonetheless. Oh. <laughs> weenie wraps intrigue me. Yup. They had burger drops. Burger drops. And burrito toast. I thought they stopped making those. And pizza balls. Pizza balls. Uh, Were there little turkey muffins? They had little, regular, and mega. Seize all pennies at once. Purchase all pizza balls and mech. Oh, there you are. You take this, and we better go. Just a great Aquatine conversation here. I like how excitedly everyone's listening to Meatwad talk about all the different kind of junk food that they have at the gas station. And some of these names are so funny, like Lil Turkey Muffins. I have no idea what a Lil Turkey Muffin is, but uh, just hearing about it and all the different sizes it comes in is so, so, so great. There's also a great visual joke here with, like, there's not much going on visually because they're just kind of standing by the store talking, but Meatwad is blowing his bubbles, and every time he blows a bubble, the uh, mustache, Carl's mustache, goes, like, over it and, like, moves along with the bubble before the bubble goes back into Meatwad's mouth, and then the mustache is, like, placed back on his upper lip. It's so funny. But, yeah, I mean, you heard it. Er, he stole a bunch of stuff. He, he came out with just handfuls of this junk food, handing some to Ignignoct, and now we're going to cut to the Aqua Teen's house. We are outside the house. We have Frylock, Shake, and Meatwad talking. And Frylock, he wants these guys gone. And then the check is outside. The Moonanites are nowhere to be seen. We'll see them in a little bit. Frylock, he's gonna do some investigating into what this check actually is. I want them out of here. I do not like them. But look at that check. We're gonna cash it. We're all gonna take our piece. And then they'll be gone. <laughs> and this is the check. Yes. It's huge! We could live off it forever! You, you haven't touched this, have you, Shay? No! Well, yeah! I've been hauling it all over town! Yeah, and I'm Carl. Nice to meet you. It's emitting radiation. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, the good kind, right? Like how they find tumors and gave Spider-Man his powers and stuff? No, Shake. The bad kind. The other kind. The kidney-losing kind. In fact, this is not a check at all, Shake. This is a bill for home care. Impossible. That's not a bill. So great twist here. It wasn't even a check at all. Not only was it radioactive, you heard Frylock. He, he was doing the Frydar, but it sounded like a Geiger counter. He was uh, figuring out how radioactive it was. But it's a bill for home care for poor Uncle Cliff. That was a bill that was sitting there. And, uh, you know, the poor guy, well, I guess he's dead now. He doesn't have to pay it. But the Moonanites, they've been dragging this all over uh, for nothing. This whole episode was for nothing because it wasn't even a check. I also like the idea that Shake's like, oh, we're, we're going to cash it. We're all going to take our cut. 
Like, why would they get a cut? You know, why would the Moon Knights just keep it if it were indeed a check? But now the Moon Knights are going to come over from off screen. They were basically like down the street. I don't understand the staging of this. Like, why would the check, I guess, shake, like drag the check here quicker. Maybe the Moon Knights stop somewhere first. I'm not really uh, entirely sure uh, what what's going on here with how these characters are arriving. But the Moon Knights are going to show up and they're going to tell them what this thing really is. Uh, this is Cliff. Does anyone know a Cliff? Yeah. My name is Cliff, and that's not a bill. Tell him, er. That's a bill. A bill? Why are we trying to cash a bill, er? Hell, I don't know. It's your uncle. I kept telling you on the way down it here. It is my uncle. Don't you forget On the it. way down, I kept saying, this is a bill. Just figured you knew something I didn't. I did know something I didn't. But it wasn't that. Wait a minute, I've been hauling a radioactive bill all over town for you guys? Yes, come. Yeah. And now you will pay it. You don't have a microwave? Gotta heat these up. So this episode is just winding down beautifully, I think. I love the twist here that, like, Er knew that this wasn't even a check, but he was going along with it because he had, you know, so much faith in Ignacht here, who is a dumbass and, and didn't realize that it was a bill but something else i want to talk about here outside of the story element is we can see we get like a nice close-up of er holding some of this junk food that he stole and we see like weenie wraps are self-explanatory it's a hot dog it's wrapped in probably like a biscuit or something looks pretty tasty we see sausage tacos which look just like tacos uh we see burger drops but we can't actually see what is on the front there which is frustrating i want to see what a burger drop looks like but we do see some turkey muffins. So the little turkey muffins come in like a, a container, like a wrapper that you would get sausage in. But then there's mega turkey muffins that are in a box and they look just like muffins. So I'm not really sure what is going on here. Like what exactly is a turkey muffin? Because uh, one would suggest it's it's kind of a, a, a malleable kind of sausage-like material. And the other one suggests that it's actually like baked goods. So I don't really know still, but just wanted to check these out. I mean, hey, I'd give it a try. So the Moon Knights go inside because they want to start heating up their treasures that they got from the foodie mart here. There's going to be some dialogue about the the uh, bill that's out there emitting radiation. And then Shake's going to come in and his fingers will be elongated, reminiscent of salad fingers. Which, Salad Fingers had just come out uh, in July of this year, so I don't think it was actually inspired by Salad Fingers, but that's the best way that I can describe it as, is these, like, elongated yellow fingers that Shake will have. Hmm, I guess it emits radiation when it's due. And it's two months past due. Oh, look at my hands. Oh, the hands, look at those hands. <laughs> uh, someone should probably pay that bill. Jeez, it's getting hot in here. All right, so I'm going to cut in here. This entire segment is just going to keep kind of building up. But I like the way that Frylock says that when the bill is overdue, then it emits radiation. I mean, I guess that's a way to get people to pay their bills. But at the end there, Frylock commented on how it's starting to feel hot in the house. We will cut to the kitchen where they are trying, and by they, I mean the Moon Knights are trying to heat up this food. But since the microwave had its rays reversed, it is all going outward and it's going to cause the house to explode. We wrap is still frozen. Your microwave sucks. Hey, your microwave sucks. <laughs> oh hell. It's getting hot in here. Why is it getting so hot in here? <laughs> so the Aqua Teens, they were still by the door, so they made it out of the house okay. But the Moon Knights, they were in the kitchen, so you you assume they really uh, got hurt in that explosion. But I love that about this episode, and I'm just realizing it now. 
while doing the podcast here of how tight this episode is. There's just so many loose ends being tied up and it's like this beautiful circle where they just are bringing everything together that they've introduced. It kind of leads itself to a conclusion, which is so great, but we're not done yet. Uh, the Aqua Teens, they ran over to Carl's house. Carl is now out in the yard. He has completely shaved, so he's just, uh, he, he's a completely bald man, which is interesting that, like, even his shoulders, you'll notice, are shaved, even though Meatwad doesn't have that hair on him. I wonder where that hair ended up. But Carl will begin to wake up, and it's kind of, like, weird because they did shoot a bullet up his ass, and it was, like, sawing through him, but he seems, like, overall okay now. I don't really know how that resolved, but... Carl will get up and they'll kind of comment on him being completely bald. Ugh, jeez. Hey, hey, Cuba, oh, wake head. up. Shouldn't drink oh, during the day, you know. <laughs> my hair. My hair. Where's my hair? Where's my stash? Oh, you're going to have a bag now, Carl. It's itchy. Oh, that makes me look a little tooty footy. <laughs> oh, funny. Well, Carl, actually, you know, I think you look younger without it. Yeah. No, I get your vibe. By younger, you mean gay. <laughs> I'm gay looking. Whatever. Do what you want. <laughs> I don't care. Great way to write Frylock. Like, just to end that scene, Frylock's like, okay, whatever. Like, he he is so done. I love this shift in attitude of Frylock over the last few seasons, where earlier in the show, he was always invested. He's, you know, he'd, he'd break his back to get to a conclusion on these things. And then now he just kind of throws his hands up and is like, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this shit. Like, he he's realized how crazy everyone around him truly is. Something I want to mention very quickly is the drawing of Carl lying down, which I think this episode is the first time we've seen this drawing. I'm pretty sure it is. And to me, it looks a little bit off model, like his legs look very skinny and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I know there's the the diet episode later this season. I was like, oh, maybe they reuse that asset here. But it's not the case. I went and I checked, so I'm not really sure why. But I got to say, though, I do love seeing completely bald Carl. It's so strange and just truly a cursed image. But uh, Meatwad with the hair and the mustache makes up for it, at least. And I got to say, I like, again, to tying up loose ends. Like, we get to see the resolution with Carl here. We see he he's all right. He didn't die. Uh, he's just bald right now, but it'll grow back. So let's play the last clip of this episode. Of course, you can't end a Moon Knight episode without them flying away and and Enignoc giving the finger. This time, instead of his finger getting really long, his hand just gets very large. It's very blocky. He's given a big, fat, girthy middle finger. But we get a, a nice visual gag where we see Ur, who was hanging around that, that bill a lot. And he's all fucked up now. He's all deformed. He looks almost like a little orangutan kind of thing. It's very silly. Try this on for size, Fryman. Or for 59 cents more, try the super size. Man, I feel weird. Quiet, Ur. I'm transmitting rage. Ur is so fucking weird looking. It's so funny. Man, I feel weird. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, though, Ignignoc doesn't care. He's, he's busy with his own devices here, flipping off the Aqua Teens. And yeah, that is Remooned. So before I give you my thoughts on it, let's hop over to the Toon Zone forum back in 2004, the night this episode aired, and see what was being said about it. Of course, link to this entire thread in the show notes here. So uh, user ZigZag, they are once again commenting on Space Katas, like, oh, there's no more Dr. Weird intros? And this to me is crazy because the last few threads have addressed this. The information was out that uh, this, the Dr. Weird intros were gone. And uh, you still have somebody coming in like, hey, where's Dr. Weird? What's going on? Which, you know, in 2023, I can completely relate to. I am constantly dealing with the same shit. So 
unsurprising. I mean, history repeats itself. And as for the Dr. Weird intros, I mean, I've kind of talked about it on the show before, but on the commentary, we had one of the animators. I'm not exactly sure which animator, but I think it might have been Craig Harton or... Maybe it was Scott Fry. I'm not totally sure. But one of them was saying how really like Matt and Dave, it was just like a lot of work to make those all the time. And for the production staff, too, it was a lot of work. Uh, So they just kind of cut them. So um, unsurprising. But that's kind of what happened with Dr. Weird. But there's no specific comments I want to read. I just want to give you a general idea that a lot of people didn't really like this one too much. People are saying, eh, it's okay, but... It's not the best, or or uh, like, oh, I'm, I was so excited for the Moon Knights to come back, but then nothing funny happened. I'm just going to go right into my thoughts here. I think that, like, on the surface, Mayhem of the Moon Knights and Revenge of the Moon Knights, like, they're more immediately funny. But this episode, I was prepared going in to just say the same thing. Eh, it's an okay episode. I'm not really crazy about it. But after rewatching it so many times for this and and then just, like, digging into it, I really like this episode. I think this one is a grower, not a shower. You got to watch it a few times to really appreciate it because this is what I want from Aqua Teen in this episode. Now, this isn't my favorite episode. I don't think it's like a particularly amazing episode, but it's a really, really good episode because they aren't relying on the gross out humor. They aren't relying on the shock humor. It's just like funny dialogue and funny situations the whole time. So, the cool thing about this one compared to the previous Moon Knight episodes is we have the Moon Knights, like, they are antagonistic, but they are kind of working with the Aqua Teens, which is, which is nice to see. It's fun to see Shake, Meatwad, and the Moon Knights all hang out together in kind of like a normal way. They're trying to cash a check. It's so mundane. So it really gives me, like, Season 2 vibes of, like, the best parts of Season 2, I think, and that it's just, again, it's just, like, kind of a slice of life kind of thing, and you just see how dumb these characters are. I thought the pacing was great. I felt like nothing really dragged. It was just like we were just constantly moving along in the plot. Uh, To speak of body horror, they did include some of that, which I thought was done well. Like, you just see Shake's fingers all fucked up, and that's kind of it. And then we saw Ur at the end, which was really funny. They don't dwell on it too long like they did back in Unremarkable Voyage or something like that, where they beat the shit out of Shake really badly. They just kind of glossed over it here, which I like. Like, I like when they include it. I just don't need it to be a focus. Like, it that shouldn't be the joke in itself. It should just be a joke in the episode, not the joke in the episode, I suppose. So there was still that body horror element. But otherwise, yeah, like... To the rating on this one, it was a TV-14, but there were no other little indicators because nothing crazy really happens in this one. There's just, like, the Moon Knights just generally being kind of bad guys, but there's no specific uh, part that, like, kind of strikes you as being inappropriate, I guess. But again, like, we open with this one with the microwave, and that comes back around in the end. That kind of closes out the episode... But we have the check, which turns out to not be a check. We have them constantly... They go back twice to the same fucking place that they can't cash the check in. Like, they're trying different ways to get it to work. I like the way that we see that again. And then I like the way that, of course, at the very end, we see Carl. Like, they kind of uh, resolve that, too. So I felt like the episode was written very intelligently. And I also just like the pace on it. Very quick. Nothing dwelled too long. Just lots of, like, jokes thrown in that I feel like we didn't really get in Unremarkable Voyage. And a lot of the jokes in that one were just like gross out jokes. While this one, they didn't really rely on any of that. They just had kind of like a classic Aqua Teen humor to it. A complaint over on the Toon Zone forums was that Carl wasn't used well, but I thought he was used fine. I like that we got like a dark moment where he's like, nah, sometimes I want to die. And of course, we see him classically get abused, but he didn't get killed like season one where he would get, 
you know, he'd, he'd get thrown around and stuff, but he would still be alive. That's the case here. Uh, the only person to, to die in this episode was Cliff. But considering that was a character we had just met, it wasn't like <laughs> it, it's like who really cares about that? But I do like, too, that they introduced Cliff. I like that we got to see another Moon and Knight and kind of expand the universe a little bit. So honestly, I'm surprised by myself here, but I think I'm going to give this one four mega turkey muffins out of five. I was just impressed by how well this one was crafted and it was such a pleasant episode to to rewatch for the podcast. And it was really nice to just cut it up and, and talk about it. So, yeah, I'm surprised here. Like I said, when I watched it, like initially for the podcast, I was like, uh, I'm not too crazy about this one. But the more I watched it, the more I just found myself liking it and, and just really appreciating the jokes in it. So, again, it's a grower not a shower. And I have a new kind of segment here that I want to see if we could do this for more than one episode. But I'd like to see if we could learn a lesson from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I feel like there's a very clear-cut lesson in this one. And the the lesson in this episode that we learned from Ur, and that is that he knew that that it was a bill, but he didn't speak up. So the lesson in this episode is don't assume that somebody knows more than you. If you think that something is wrong, you gotta speak up about it, because otherwise you might just go hauling a radioactive bill around town and then end up all fucked up. So that's it for me this week. Of course, if you like this podcast, I mean, if you're still listening, then I would think that you do. Uh, If you appreciate this podcast, it would really, really, really help out if you could share the show, uh, let somebody else know about it if you know anybody else who likes Aqua Teen, or subscribe to the Patreon over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden and i gotta shout out the number one in the hood g tier patrons sean ian captain buford brian and robison i'll help you guys cash your check any day of the week i'll see you next week when we hop right on into season three episode four g whiz until then take it easy bye bye Now, if you listen to this podcast, you already knew that was happening. Matt Malero total, Matt Malero total, Matt Malero total. Oh my God. Matt Malero told us back in December that they were working on five new Aqua teens. So,